0: Hey everyone, Bretya. Just a disclaimer before we start this episode, we do cover some things that might not be suitable for younger viewers. If you are really interested in the things we speak about, maybe just do your research first and chat to some professionals. This stuff can be really harmful. But anyway, onto the episode. <laughs>
1: And welcome to the Odd Topic Podcast. Here, as always, are your hosts, Luke and Brett. Okay, roll the episode.
0: From a young age, we're taught to prioritize safety over everything. Don't put your fingers in the electrical socket. Be careful of boiling water and don't run with scissors. These are simple things to understand and defying the rules results in pain. I feel like we've come a long way and for the most part kept our dangerous activities to areas where they're at least monitored by professionals, like a science experiment in a classroom or a small explosion at a firing range. Today, we're talking about the people who missed those lessons. Backyard scientists who took it upon themselves to do the unthinkable. As far as I'm aware, the Boy Scouts isn't really a thing in South Africa. No. I mean, we never went through that at school and that was never a thing that came up. We had like little things of people that tried to start a thing,
1: but there was nothing ever as big and renowned as like the As Boy what Scouts. America has, yeah. yeah.
0: In America, it is almost like a rite of passage for young adults to progress through the scout ranks while earning badges for various accomplishments These generally amount to leader badges, so like fire starting badges and survival or navigation badges. Well, one individual was so determined to reach the rank of Eagle Scout, but had one badge missing Atomic Energy. What? Yes. That's a badge? That's a badge. I was going through the list of badges because there are a specific few you have to get to get your Eagle Scout. And Eagle Scout is the top of the top. Okay. And one of them was environmental and sustainability. And you get a, like atomic energy is basically the understanding of it, not doing it. Okay. So I thought. They've really advanced though. Yeah. From what like I've seen on TV. Yeah. I could be wrong. This is just what research shows. I'm not American and I don't know what the Boy Scouts are. Makes so don't sense. have You have to evolve, evolve the time. Exactly. And it is kind of a science thing that I would assume is, I mean, there are a ton of badges. That's not good. Especially like, like the whole conservation stuff. And yeah. that all makes a lot of sense to teach Boy Scouts. Yeah. I mean. And Girl Scouts. <laughs> well, Girl Scouts, completely separate thing. Girl Scouts was started. And this I just read while researching this. Because back in the day, Boy Scouts was, okay, you can only be a Boy Scout. Girls aren't allowed. And then eventually the girls got fed up and said, you know what, screw you. We can do this too. And that's when the whole like selling biscuits door to door. Yeah, which is
1: kind of sexist. Bro. <laughs> yeah, the
0: girls are going to sell cookies. The boys
1: are going to go camping.
0: Well, girls sell cookies. Boys atomic power. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get back to this. So David Hahn, also known as the radioactive boy scout, was a 17 year old student from America. He had built his own homemade nuclear reactor, using his mom's potting shed in the backyard. Hans started collecting elements for his little project. He would strip americium from smoke detectors, thorium from camping lanterns, radium from clocks and turricium from gun sights. He bored his reactor out of a block of lead using lithium from about thousand dollars worth of batteries that he bought. His goal was to actually create a breeder reactor. And now we're gonna get a bit sciencey here, but we owe it to Han to explain what he actually did in the confines of his backyard. So a breeder reactor is a type of nuclear reactor that generates more fissile material than it consumes. Fissile material is matter that is able to be split. Think atomic bomb. He was able to do this by using a core of plutonium 239, surrounded by a blanket of uranium 238. As the plutonium decays and its neurons are absorbed by the uranium, the uranium transforms into uranium-239. This transformation causes it to be highly unstable, which causes it to decay back to a neptomium-239. That's a lot of words. It's a lot of words. Due to a half-life of about 57 hours, the neptomium decays back to plutonium-239, which replenishes the core. I'm a 30-year-old adult. I went to school... How did a 17-year-old be able to do this? (laughs) Man, the
1: education system must
0: hit different. (laughs) That's insane. Yeah. From the confines of your mom's back shed. Oh, yeah. You're able to source this material. You're able to put this together and successfully make a nuclear reactor. It's ridiculous. I couldn't do that now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, obviously, this is ridiculously advanced for a 17-year-old. His inspiration came from a book called The Golden Book of chemistry experiments and was fueled by his one for the Boy Scouts badge. Unfortunately, his reactor wasn't as safe as he intended and it emitted some fairly dangerous levels of radiation, likely well over a thousand times of the average background radiation we experience on a day to day basis. Huh. This alarmed him, to say the least. And he ended up dismantling his experiment. So while he started dismantling everything, he started cutting it away from the house. Which, unfortunately, didn't go as planned because he was caught by the police. Oh, shit. For a completely routine stop. <laughs> but they asked to look in the trunk of his car. Okay. And there they found a whole bunch of lab equipment and all of the stuff. You've been cooking meth, son? Basically. <laughs> so, this triggered, obviously, an emergency response from the the police. They got the feds involved and evacuated his house. From there, a full-scale investigation, basically done. And the feds were obviously shocked by what they found. Little did they know that what they did find was only half the experiment. Up until that point, between Han and his mother, they had already collected majority of the radioactive material and just threw it in the garbage. According to an interview in a local magazine, he said his mother was panicked about the thought of losing her house. So she thought that her best bet would just be to discard what was there uh, to kind of soften the the feds' blow. Mm-hmm. Naturally, funny thing is now this is what Han tells the magazine. Funny thing is, the EPA only got the garbage, and the garbage got all the good stuff. <laughs> this kid was brazen, dude. Didn't yeah. care. Like this is in an open interview, <laughs> so he refused all treatment because of the radiation, and you could obviously see it on him. And any examinations uh, after the fact were were ignored by him, even after the feds had told him that his life expectancy would be severely lowered by this. Um, He didn't care. Han eventually went on to serve a fairly successful military career. Uh, He was one of those kids... Making nuclear weapons. Yeah. One of his first jobs was not to build nuclear weapons, but it was a part of one of the ships that carried the nuclear weapons. Ships, planes, that type of thing. Um, He was one of those kids who didn't really succeed at anything. I think he was very intelligent, but couldn't find that one thing to go into. So he ended up turning to the military. Um so he went through his whole career and eventually was released on honorable discharge uh due to medical reasons and we don't quite know what those make reasons were, but it seemed like all went well. There was no real reason for him leaving. Probably radioactive reasons. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you're the military. Like, you're not going to let that <laughs> slide. <laughs> so in April 2007, the FBI received an anonymous tip that Hahn was allegedly in possession of a second neutron source that he was keeping in his freezer. After a brief investigation, they came up with nothing and all the charges were dropped. He was, however, arrested a few months later in August of 2007 for stealing the smoke detectors from his apartment building. His mugshot is online at the moment and shows a very, very battered up face. And the sores either resemble radioactive burns or meth addiction. So he didn't come off well. Well, I mean, if you look at Madame Curie, who was obviously doing all her studies into uranium and stuff like that, and she had all of her... Employees who were working the material and they were t- extracting it from the source, they had no idea that it was radioactive. And to this day, you can go to her doorknob into her office, yeah, and it is 100% radioactive. Shit. It still emits radiation up until now. Unfortunately, all of her employees did get cancer and passed away. So did she. I mean, she was just as bad. I think she was worse out of all of them. Because they didn't know. I mean, at that point, they were putting radiation or they were putting uranium in everything. Yeah. It, it was like the cool thing that they are were just found. like touching it. For yeah. Exactly. Dude, it's so hectic. Radiation is not fun, man. I mean, look at everything happening now with Russia and all and that it stuff. Over, it freaks me out. Yeah. And then, mean, like, they're bombing right by the nuclear reactor.
1: I don't understand something that I read about... Um, but then they like Russia
0: wanted to switch off some power station in Chernobyl I'm like shouldn't everything be off (laughs) there no I I think they've got uh, power leaving there because there are things that they have to monitor Hmm. and I think if power is cut they lose that monitoring yeah that makes sense Uh, it's funny though because I mean there is a YouTuber named Backyard Scientist Hmm. Um, he's based in Hawaii his stuff's really really cool it's dangerous as hell But he at least is an intelligent enough person to deal with safety. I mean, especially like the people that we talk about. They take all this information that they've got and they think, oh, we can do this and kind of carry on with their ways. But you see like actual guys doing it under professional circumstances and it's hectic. Like Even a safe experiment is not safe. I mean, obviously the guy wears glasses and all this kind of stuff and he's just doing... Let's mix these two chemicals together and see if it blows up a watermelon. <laughs> not a nuclear reactor. Yeah, And I mean, kudos to him if he actually went through all the effort of, of knowing what he was doing. I'm hoping he knew what he was doing and not just taking off theory and kind of just putting things together. Because all those big words I said earlier, they, like, they, they're very specific. Mm. I mean, he did get it wrong because the radiation did leak yeah. hectically, but he was able to do it. I wonder where he got that information from. From that book. Oh, really? So, so, so there was a book on um, all the, the science experiments. Yes. And apparently it was a pretty big one. It was a golden book of science experiments. I think they go into a little bit too much detail there. What's the other book? I think it's called the Anarchist Cookbook. Oh, yeah, that's bad. Is it? Yeah, do the Anarchist Cookbook tell? So that book over there explains in detail how to make pop bombs, chlorine bombs. Yeah, sort of yeah, okay, thought of. So. It's really bad. We're um, one of those like weird kids at school that always talk about it. And oh, if we're we to had make. That. Oh, <laughs> oh my
1: god,
0: <gosh>, dude! <laughs> I made a pop bomb. Like, okay, don't bring it here. <laughs> yeah. so maybe don't do that again. Yeah. So I mean, stuff like that exists, and it's pretty terrible that it does exist. It's all possible, man. It's all possible, but. Give me your backyard scientist, dude.
1: Now, I'm not sure how many of you listeners out there know what OHS is, or Occupational Health and Safety. Well, I suppose I just told you. And I'm pretty much sure that everybody has followed it in one way or another to varying degrees. It's pretty simple stuff, like wearing a hard hat in construction zones or have visibility reflective vests to make sure that you are noticeable in maybe dark environments. It even includes some basics like holding onto the rail of stairs or in an ascending and descending the staircase, and it's pretty commonplace stuff, but it is enforced incredibly strictly, especially in high-danger working environments, no matter how annoying it is. Certain health and safety measures are only applicable under certain situations or applications, depending on the task at hand. Like a scientist may need to wear clear goggles to make sure no chemicals land in their eyes, and gloves to make sure that they don't come into contact with anything hazardous. Keep this in mind. Now add in the extensive testing requirements for a product, any product really, be it a car or microwave, to not only make sure that it's a decent product, but to also ensure the safety of its potential user. Let's look at the standard car as an example. It's not developed and tested in some dude's garage, at least not usually, It's typically undergone many, many tests, like crash tests, emissions tests, all sorts of things before it reaches the market. And those doing the testing follow a strict health and safety protocol to make sure that they are safe as well. Now with all this in mind, let's look at the case of Michael Hughes, aka Mad Mark, (laughs) and how he thought he was above following OHS protocols and that he had the extensive knowledge of product testing behind him to guarantee that his backyard science project was safe spoiler alert it wasn't (laughs) they never are so who was this mad mark you might be asking yourselves well maybe once i give you this bit of info you might actually recall hearing about the story you see he was not only a bit of a daredevil but an active believer in flat earth theory oh no and i mean if that doesn't already tell you that he shouldn't be doing some backyard science what will but i digress (laughs) Mad Mike wasn't mixing some chemicals or working on this car. No. Mad Mike was building a rocket. A proper working rocket that would launch him into the atmosphere.
0: No ways.
1: Why was he doing this? Well, I mentioned he was a flat earther. So this space mission of his was to take a look for himself at whether or not the earth was actually flat to answer his undying belief and prove to the world that we were all being lied to. That's some dedication to your belief.
0: I mean, that that's a lot. Like, that's a big lens to go through. A lot. To prove, okay, the earth is... I mean, the Egyptians did it better than he could do without anything. Yeah. <laughs> Mad Mark wasn't
1: new to crazy stunts. In 2002, he set the Guinness World Record for the longest limousine jump, where he ramped a Lincoln limo over a distance of 31 meters. In 2014, he built and launched his first rocket that he was inside of, which flew about four hundred and ninety meters into the air before collapsing. This guy sounds like evil can evil. Pretty much he is. So he had a few injuries after this collapse, but he managed to survive. In twenty sixteen he launched something other than a rocket, a fundraiser. Oh wow. To help him try his rocket launch again. He sadly only managed to raise three hundred and ten dollars, so it wasn't very successful. I mean, that's not bad
0: going for someone wanting to build a rocket. I guess. I mean that three hundred and three dollars that's I mean I can't get that much from a random person be like, hey, find my rocket, I want to go (laughs) to space. I'll get told to get stuffed.
1: Look, this was until he got an idea, which would make his dreams a reality. You see, the truth of it is, contrary to what the media will tell you, Mad Muck was not actually a serious flat earther. But he used all the buzz around flat earth theory at the time as a PR stunt to gain additional funds for his dream. Okay this new campaign gained him over seven thousand eight hundred and seventy five dollars which got him well on his way to his next attempt some legal battles with the bureau of land management later and he live streamed his next rocket attempt in february 2018 but it was a failure as his steam propelled rocket malfunctioned before takeoff another attempt in march of 2018 was more successful reaching a height of 572 meters it had quite a hard landing, though, but Mark was not seriously injured.
0: So he tried to make a steam-powered rocket.
1: Yeah, his, sorry, all of his rockets are steam-powered. Okay. So not using fuel, he uses basically, well, compressed gases and yeah. steams and uses them with enough power to pr- launch
0: himself into space. Hectic.
1: Now, when I say rocket, it's not a space-going rocket.
0: No, no, obviously. It's like a
1: launch into the air yeah. and then coming down with a parachute. Uh, to
0: to the okay, okay, I'm with you. I'm thinking like Elon Musk. to no, 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 no. Two, okay. he wasn't. No, Look, SpaceX. Forget, stuff this, is, this is backyard stuff. This is just- <laughs> Do my guy made a nuclear reactor. Anything <laughs> yeah, okay, is possible. Fine, that said, these
1: two should have teamed up.
0: Yeah. I'll fuel your rocket with nuclear
1: power. <laughs> Maybe then he wouldn't have come back down. Yeah. So fast forward to his latest attempt. In February 2020, which unfortunately did not have as successful of a launch, Mark actually managed to wrangle a TV crew who were shooting a documentary for the Science Channel all thanks to this publicity around his attempt in the flat earth thing. He was trying to reach a height of over 1.5 kilometers into the air. However, sadly, the rocket malfunctioned, and it appears like the parachute, which normally aids the rocket's descent, deployed too early and got damaged in the launching gear. With no functioning parachute, the rocket had a crash landing, and unfortunately, Mad Mark perished. Damn. Unfortunately, Mark has been slandered in the media and his death treated like a joke because of flat earth, I mean, even I'm guilty of it, but he was actually just a daredevil who did whatever he could for his passion. He was not a flat earther and he was not as crazy as the media makes him seem. He was literally just a daredevil. Like you get the people that jump over stuff and motorbikes. He was just that. He was just a guy with a passion and he really wanted to try and launch a rocket into the air.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's very along the lines of what the movie Hot Rod's about. Yeah. So I think a lot of these guys, I mean, especially after Evil Knievel, I think Evil Knievel was the inspiration behind a lot of people who try to do stunts and ramp over cars and all of that. And I mean, evil Knievel didn't fare so well, but I think all of them tried to do their best and the more media you can get, the better you're gonna be of course because you have an audience. Of course. So I don't blame him for trying you to be a good for, that. for the stuff, exactly. You know, from like little kids. Hey everyone look at me, I'm yeah. gonna jump
1: off this tree.
0: I remember mm-hmm. in a monster truck rally when I was younger, it was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, same. Yeah. So <laughs> you
1: probably the same one. Probably are
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean look, if you search anywhere for
1: Mad Mark, you'll get article after article about how it's just a case of flat earth theory gone too far. But I mean, as we were saying now, he was just a man of the dream. Unfortunately, being the backyard scientist he was, it was just simply not safe. I'm not sure how any of this was actually legal. Maybe because he was flying off private property or something. But the logistics and safety measures required behind building a rocket that can propel a man into the atmosphere should be huge. I mean, surely the licenses and stuff involved as well? So he did have to get permits from the Bureau of Land Management. Okay. Um, And that was pretty much it. What would you like this permit for? He wasn't going high
0: enough that he was entering some level of... No, but true. But when you go and get a permit for it and they ask you, why are you doing this? I and mean, you're like, uh, rockets. Yeah, like, you can't do this. You, you, you can't fly a rocket. We're like, uh, yeah, I can. Yeah. Just give me the permit and I'll show you. <laughs> give them a flyer, come out. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> this day it'll be like live streamed. <laughs> I mean, one man
1: alone building a rocket in his garage is definitely not enough to ensure that everything's going to go according oh, to plan. Of course not. You just need extensive testing of this kind of thing.
0: I mean, you need at least a degree in aeronautics or something. Yeah. But, I mean, he made it hard, so kudos to him. For what he did, it's pretty incredible.
1: And it sounds like it was, well, from what I read anyway, it sounds like it was just like a small kind of balls-up that just he had no backup plan. Yeah. There was one parachute and it failed, you know. Imagine the great things he would have amounted to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he died because of his ignorance of safety, basically. But in his own words, it's scary as hell but none of us are getting out of this world alive. And in the words of his friends and family, he wouldn't have wanted to go out any other way. RIP, Mad Mark. But please, everybody, stay safe out there.
0: Yeah, couldn't agree more. So I hope you've taken a little bit of that in. Safety first. And no backyard science. No backyard science. Ask a professional, please. I guess Luke and I are kind of in an industry where... Safety and PPE, uh, if you want to call it that, protective personal equipment, is a thing that gets drilled into our head. Yeah, and I've been called a cowboy when it
1: comes to safety, and I still follow standards pretty pretty strictly. You know, if that one time you just it hate hard hats, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they are the worst thing ever. i won't lie So, don't go build nuclear reactors in your backyard, and don't build any rockets. Maybe phone your friend Elon, ask him a few questions, and then and do it under some fairly precautionary environments with professionals. Yeah. Do not do this on your own, please. No. If you have any concerns,
1: there are actually a lot of people that do OHS as a living. You can just phone them up, pay them for like an hour's consultation, and they'll be like, no, dude, you can't do this. You're going to get in trouble. Yeah. Please don't do that.
0: Okay. So we hope you guys enjoy that. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you again next week. But up until then, if you have any crazy stories or other people you've heard of, drop us a message community at You can also check out our website community oddtopicpodcast.com as well as facebook twitter instagram youtube and all those fun places at Podcast. and for those of you that haven't noticed yet there's a competition running
1: Uh, we've spoken about this before please check out our social media and our website and you will see
0: all the info you need to get from this competition you can win one of two rode nt mini microphones to kickstart your podcasting career as well as a little bit of swag we'll get some stickers and cool things made up i wish we had those when we started i know that'd
1: be awesome yeah anyway until next time guys stay fresh stay freaky bye
0: Bye.